0: Welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath and I'm here with Donald. Hello. Today we are exploring the question, what are the pros and cons of being a Christian? Enjoy our conversation. So we are looking at the pros and cons of being a Christian. And I think for a lot of people, when they think about Christianity, and we, we talk about this a lot throughout Questions of Life, when they, when they think about Christianity, it, it would appear to them that there are a lot of Cons and not that many pros. They think we well, got to go to church, you've got to behave well. I can't do what I want. I can't have sex outside of marriage. You know the list is really, really long for people. Oh Christianity, I don't want anything to do with that. Why would I want to become a Christian? And then when you get into the Bible, the Bible system quite challenging things to people that want to follow Jesus. In particular, Jesus says that to people. So just a couple of passages to kick us off. So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, 13 to 14, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. As he's talking about following him and becoming a Christian, he says it's a narrow path that it's very different to, you know, the massive path that everybody else is walking down. It's narrow. And then he says this a little bit later on. So this is Matthew chapter 16, 24 to 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? These are really striking and challenging words of Jesus. So we're going to explore some of the pros and the cons of uh, becoming a Christian, uh, a follower of Jesus. And before we do that, just uh, just humour me and just explain what is a Christian and what isn't a Christian. Just put it out there so that we know what we're talking about. We're not talking about somebody that goes to church What is a Christian?
1: So I would say a a Christian is someone who has said to God, I need your mercy. Mm -hmm. I need your forgiveness. So that they are a person who says, the the way heaven needs to be, the way life should be lived, I don't live up to. And I need God's forgiveness. So uh, I often think about the ABC. So the first A is to admit. It's someone who says, God, I'm not perfect. I have hurt other people. I am selfish. I'm a contributor to the world's problems. And then the, the, the second part of that is that they then believe that God has demonstrated and expressed his love in coming through Jesus and to show us that he wants to forgive us by dying on the cross and so the B is believing that Jesus is our Lord and Saviour, that, the, that we, we believe that Jesus is who we trust, who we want to follow, who we want to copy and who we want to obey. And we believe that he loves us, that he died on the cross, that we might be forgiven and that he has allowed us to go to heaven when we die, even though we're not worthy. Mm-hmm. And the C is someone who just chooses and commits to that and says, I'm going to live my life for you and follow through in loving my neighbour as myself. I want to copy and follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. So to me, a Christian is 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 someone who's saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want to copy Jesus. I've not been good enough. I receive his love and I receive his spirit within me to be different.
0: So it isn't about going to church on a Sunday, although that helps and, and we might c- cover that tonight. Yeah. It's not about ticking the form on the census, no. which is due this Sunday. Oh,
1: have got to do yeah, that. If you
0: don't do it, you get fined £1,000. Yep. Uh, well, you just tick the box, I'm a Christian. It's far more than that. It's not a passive thing. Mm. It's a decision that you make. Fantastic. Okay, so we've nailed what it is to be a Christian. So let's look at the pros and the cons. And what we're going to do is we're going to do them one at a time. So we're going to go through the cons, one con, one pro, one con, one pro. So we're going to okay. mix it up a bit so it's not, you know, all easy for you and straightforward and you know what's coming. As we've proved tonight, you don't really know what's coming. So
1: <laughs> and also, I don't think there are any cons. If we just put that out there, okay. even, even the things that people think are cons, I don't think they're really cons at all.
0: You, you sent me a message about this, didn't you? And mm. you said in it that you'd worked out that it was actually a good thing to follow Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, tried, I made a list of all the things that people think are cons. And none of them were appealing to me. And I thought, yeah. no, I, I don't go with any of that. You've made the right choice. I mean, just take that thing about the broad and the narrow yeah. path, gate, door, whatever it is. To me, what that is telling us is something that we already know, which is that the natural instinct of humanity... If, we're left, if we don't think about things, our natural instinct is a self-centred, mm. going along with what everybody else says and thinks, mm. that takes us away from God and makes us more and more selfish. Mm. And we can unpack that.
0: Well, that takes me into my first con, really. One of the things that people would say is if you look at what is going on in society today, society has moved on. So maybe... Um, 50, 60 years ago, uh, people lived in line with what the Bible taught. I remember my... Uh, I don't remember it, but my gran uh, got pregnant with my dad when she was in her teens and um, wasn't married. Father wasn't around. And that was a real embarrassment to the family. Uh, so much so that my, my dad was given up for adoption because there was this sense of, "Well, oh, we don't want everybody to know. Whereas today on the whole, people can express themselves and do what they want. People would say, Christianity is stuck in the dark ages. Why hasn't it moved with the time? It's so restrictive. You can't go out and express yourself. Does it matter if I'm not hurting anybody else? Isn't it okay? It's my life. What would you say to that, Con?
1: Well, I think, firstly, I'd say that the way your father and your grandmother were treated wasn't Christian either. So let's not say that's Christianity. That's a form of judgmentalism. And condemnation, which is explicitly opposed to how Jesus lived his life. I think what we're saying is that to us, just what I've talked about before, our body is designed with certain self-preservation instincts and that are natural desires to preserve ourselves, to feed ourselves, to procreate, to have sex. Those are human, natural, bodily desires. But all of them if they are unrestrained, end up damaging us. So, the desire for self-preservation, if it's unrestrained, I will trample on, bully, Mm -hmm. manipulate, even damage or be violent towards anybody who doesn't do what I want. Mm -hmm. And actually, that then creates me as an isolated and lonely and dysfunctional person. So, every human being has to learn to manage the natural desires. And to put some boundaries around them. Otherwise, they end up destroying us. The eating is even more obvious that we know that we've been created with hunger mm-hmm. and we've been created with appetite, otherwise, we'll starve to death. And is, it's really important to eat. But we also know that if we eat too much, or we eat unhealthily, or we eat whatever our eyes see, we end up overweight, heart damaged, mm-hmm. and other health conditions, and we die younger. So it seems to me that the human body cannot be just let loose mm-hmm. because it always ends up damaging us. The same is fundamentally true with the sexual drive. Mm-hmm. That human beings are born with a desire to have sex and mm-hmm. to have children. And that strength of feeling differs from individual to individual. But it's a very powerful uh, urge because it's there for the Uh, survival of the human race but we're also designed for faithfulness and we're designed to feel secure in love and we talked about this before we've done a questions of life all around sex it's that that human beings as much as we want to have sex we want to feel safe and Mm -hmm. we want to feel loved and if we just allow our lust, our sexual desires to become unrestrained, say, well, I fancy having sex now, so I'm going to have sex now, and I fancy having sex with this person, and they appear to be consenting, or they, they're drunk enough at the moment that it won't matter. Mm-hmm. All of that ends up robbing us of the real thing which we want, which is friendship. Mm-hmm. And friendship requires the time to build faithful relationships with people mm-hmm. and to feel safe with a person. Um, so the, 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 the Bible's in, in commands to battle the lusts of hunger, of appetites, in whatever the appetites are, is actually what's best for us. Mm. If we learn how to not eat everything we want to eat, we will be happier. Mm. If we learn not to have sex with whoever we want to have sex with, whenever we want to have sex, mm. we will actually be happier. Mm. So it's not to me a con at all, because it's, it's meeting what we really, really want and need.
0: So it's more that our society has believed a lie. There is this perce- perception that if I do what I want, I will be happy. Absolutely. And they don't know any different.
1: Absolutely. Uh, just that's the simplest thing is that if fundamentally, I believe, happiness comes from love, mm-hmm. comes from being loved and loving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And those two things in, in, in exact harmony,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we're loving as much as we are loved. Yep. That is the source of happiness. That's clear in the Bible. That's clear why God made mankind. It's clear in all the commands. The most important thing is love. If I say the most important thing is to do what I want, I will be unloving. Yeah. And if I am unloving, I will be unlovable. Mm. And if I am unlovable, I will hurt Mm -hmm. and grieve and be lost. Mm. And our society is full, if you like, of people who are overweight physically. And in the same thing is happening spiritually. They are mm. overweight spiritually in that they just think, as if I can just have as much of what mm. I want, I will be happy. And all the time they're wondering why they're not. Yeah. Because whenever we grab more than we give, we end up unhappy.
0: Great. So we knock that off. That's not a con. To That's me, it's pro. not a con. It's a pro. Excellent. Okay, so let's look at your first pro then, mm-hmm. your first proper pro. Uh, and you've put on your list uh, eternal life.
1: Yeah. So that, that for me, is, the, is the, the really most important thing about Christianity, that if this world is all there is, mm-hmm. then we've got huge questions about justice. We've got huge mm-hmm. questions about God's love. We've got huge questions about the suffering that people experience. I am convinced that the Bible is really clear in the way Jesus talks. I'm going through John's gospel, as lots of you will know. And again and again, uh, Jesus talks about having eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. It's a really foundational um, promise of Jesus because I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall not uh, die. And it's really important to grasp that there is another life, I think, after Mm -hmm. this that has no suffering, no tears, no sorrow, no injustice, Mm -hmm. no sin. Because all the people who think sin is what other people do won't be there. Mm -hmm. And all the people who say to God, Lord, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I can see how I've hurt and damaged other people. God says, okay, come and be transformed into what you want to be. Mm. And all the people who say, I don't need to be any better because I'm good enough. He says, I'm sorry, there's no Mm. space for you. Mm. And I've come to see that as really important in in dealing with things that I see that are wrong in this life. But also uh, my own humanity, you know, um, it's quite... Disturbing that I'm old enough to have a vaccine because I don't feel that old. <laughs> uh, I know, you know, they made an exception for me and, and they, <laughs> they, they just allowed people in their 30s to have it. Um, but it's, you know, it's as it, you get older and you think, you know, what have I done with life? Where is it all going? Whatever, to think there is something everlasting. There's lots of places I've never been and to think that in heaven I will see all the beauty that mm-hmm. God's created, the mountains mm-hmm. and the seas and the sunsets and the animals and all the stuff that I may not get to see in this life that I, we may have damaged by the time I mm-hmm. get there. I don't know. But when we get to heaven, it's beautiful. I just love that and it's just an inspiration.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I know people will say, well, how do you know there's a heaven and, and how do you know that that's true? And I think... I can't prove it. But I think there are two big reasons why I believe in heaven. One is I think that the whole of nature points to it. So there is a constant theme, which we're right in the middle of now in spring, there's a constant theme that death brings new life. Mm. That um, the, the the caterpillar becomes a butterfly, that the, 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 the conker becomes a chestnut tree, that the seed becomes a flower, that everything dies in the winter and then it comes alive again. So it's almost as if God is saying, look around you, see how my I will bring new life out of your death. Mm-hmm. And the second reason why I'm convinced is that it's just innate in human beings to believe in it. And you think, well, why? where did this idea come from if it didn't exist? Why, why have we invented this concept? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a passionate believer in, in heaven. If when I die... There is no heaven, and this life was all there is. I still think I've lived the right life. I would still say it's been worth it. So Mm -hmm. it's not everything built on that pro. Uh, I still think it's better to be a Christian, even if there is no heaven. But for me, it's a massive one that there is.
0: And I think when you reflect on heaven, I think it helps you to reflect on the frailty of life Mm. and it gives you a sense of peace and hope that this may be my last day on earth yeah but i know where i'm going that there is a certainty there is a contentment that uh for me i believe that when i die uh, i will meet with jesus i will meet with all those that have gone before me and after me and all that you've talked about heaven will be just absolutely amazing so i don't want to die Mm. but when my time comes i think there'll be a sense of I know where I'm going. And that's encouraged me with so many people that I've known that have gone ahead before me. Mm. This sense of, no, I don't want to die, but I'm at peace. Mm. I know who loves me. I know where I'm going. And that mm. is a real comfort and a, a help and gives us hope when life is tough and we're going through difficulties. This isn't all there is, that mm. there's far more than we have now. So I think that's a great pro. Mm. I think I'll give you a tick for that. Thank you. That's brilliant. Okay. Another con then of Christianity is this idea that we have to forgive everybody. So in uh, Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. This whole idea that, that we have to be nice people and forgive others and we can't hold grudges. People say that's not ideal, that's not realistic, that's not how human beings are. Talk about that perceived con.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's, I, I think it's a con at all. I,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I don't think any of us like people who are bitter. Mm. I'm sorry to say that, put it mm. as bluntly as that. They are mm. really difficult people to live with. Mm you never know whether you're gonna be the next person they're not gonna forgive. Mm -hmm. But even if you're not, if you're you're secure in that, you find that the anger that they hold to whoever has wronged them spills out in every other Mm -hmm. aspect of life. And you feel that tension and that anger. And you can see it contorting them. You can see it damaging them. You can see it being something that preoccupies them. You can Mm -hmm. see that they can't move away from this hurt and this wrong that's done for them. And they are trapped in reliving and re-being hurt again and again and again. It's like the tape is constantly playing because they refuse to move on and and Mm -hmm. let go. Now, I think we've done a a questions of life on forgiveness. Forgiving is incredibly hard, particularly when someone isn't apologetic, particularly when someone is continuing to hurt us, and particularly when what they did was life-changing. don't want to minimise that at all. And we've talked about mm. the process and how God wants to help us forgive and how it's a miracle sometimes to forgive and how it takes time, all of that. Mm. But the idea that I would say I will be happier hanging on to that pain is crazy
2: mm. to me. Mm-hmm.
1: So the fact that, that, that if I sign up to be a follower of Jesus, I commit myself to choose to forgive to me, it's a great pro. It's not a, it's not a negative thing at all. It means that I'm choosing to be more peaceful. I'm choosing to be more pleasant to, to live with. And I'm choosing to have less bad memories. What's the problem?
0: So for you, you're saying that Jesus is actually uh, educating us and teaching us to do something that isn't necessarily about the benefit of everyone that we're forgiving, although it is, but it's about us and bringing us freedom and release and peace. Yeah, it,
1: it, it most of the time it doesn't benefit the person we're forgiving.
0: They don't always know.
1: They, they don't always know. They don't even sometimes want it. It's, but we are benefiting the, peop- the the other people we live with, and we're benefiting ourselves. And the, the natural desire to want to hold on to something is, again, this idea that what's... Natural isn't necessarily what's best for us, and it it just it it leads us being stuck somewhere.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that one. I've got a question that's come in that's going to require me to put my glasses on because I can't really read the screen. Okay. Evening, Catherine Donald. I'm not quite in the Christian camp. I am dithering. I'm embarrassed to talk about learning about Christianity with friends. So although I try to live like a Christian. I don't bring it up in general conversations for fear that others will think it a bit weird or far-fetched. I just think of it as trying to lead a good life, be a blessing. Does that make me? Does that make me not a Christian if I'm not ready to discuss it openly? Thank you ever so much for that question.
1: Brilliant question. I think that um, one of the most helpful things to realise is very often. Most of us go through a, a, a process, and be, becoming a Christian is occasionally instantaneous, but for most of us, myself included, there tends to be a beginning and there tends to be an end, and the middle bit can take months and, in my case, a couple of years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in other, I know of other folks for whom there might even be 10 years mm-hmm. in the Alpha course. Uh, Nicky Gumbel used to describe it brilliantly as it 's like getting on a train to go from France to Italy where you go through a tunnel and you you know when you were in France and you know when you 're in Italy, but you don 't necessarily know at the point mm-hmm. at which you transition you cross the border because nothing happens you 're in the tunnel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think for many of us we 're in that journey of saying i 'm no longer not a Christian mm-hmm. uh, but am I able to say that I fully have grasped everything about being a Christian? Then the answer is not yet. Yeah. And uh, f- the f- person writing in, to me, it sounds like they're probably... In, in terms of how Jesus sees them, yes, mm-hmm. they're probably a Christian. Mm-hmm. In terms of their own understanding, they've still got things to come through mm-hmm. and work out. And in time, that will happen. And there's no need to feel... Uh, second-rate or, or, or uh, punish ourselves or beat ourselves up for it, it sounds to me like it's just a, a question of just coming to terms with the, the, the thing that's changing in their mind. And, and this, they use the word dithering, but it's not. It's, it's saying, yesterday I thought this. Do I think that today? Mm. Do I think that tomorrow? And that's a natural part of this process.
2: Mm.
1: And that's one of the reasons why we're at what we call a Baptist church. It's one of the reasons why we really believe in baptism, because baptism is something that marks the end of that journey. It's the coming out of mm-hmm. the tunnel, and we're able to say to people, "You know what? This is what I believe." And in particular, it's that thing of saying to people, "I am a Christian." Mm. And I would say to our friend, "Don't worry about where you are now. Keep exploring. Keep thinking. Keep praying. Keep listening. Keep studying. Keep reading the Bible. Keep going." And at there will come a point like the butterfly Mm
2: -hmm. where
1: your wings will spread and you say, I need to tell people I'm a Christian
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and we'll baptise you and you can send out your invites to all your family and friends and you may say to them, I'm embarrassed to say I've become a Christian and some of them will say, we worked that out Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the people close to you will be spotting and seeing that the Mm -hmm. change. And my process was two years um, it's not uncommon for it to be a few months. It's not uncommon for it to be f- five or 10 years. Mm.
0: So it's continuing to be proactive, but taking the pressure off Yeah. and not thinking, I've got to be at this point, by this point, I've got to feel like this or this needs to have happened. Yeah. It's just saying, this is my journey uh, and I'm just taking my time and yeah. I'm bit by bit working yeah. it through yeah. and I'll know when I've got yeah. there. Yeah. And I probably have got there, but I don't recognise yeah. that in myself, yeah. but yeah. Jesus does and that's okay.
1: Yeah. And one of the things we, I believe strongly, is that we don't exactly know when the disciples became Christians. We know when they chose to follow Him, mm-hmm. and we know the point at which they were so filled with God's Spirit that they told the world that they were uh, ready to change the world. Yeah. And that process was three years, and so it's okay to take three years to become a disciple. It's quite biblical.
0: Okay, I've got another message in here. Um, Do we need to have heaven when you were a Christian?
1: Do we need to have heaven when we're a Christian?
0: Yeah, I'm not quite sure I understand the question. You may well do, because you're far more intelligent than me.
1: We need to have heaven.
0: Okay, June, could you just explain a little bit for those of us that are slightly... um, um, just a little bit more what you mean because okay. we're not quite 100% sure and I really want to make sure we get what it is that you want that we can answer that so June if you can message in again with a bit more because I'm a little bit thick that would be really really helpful we're both a bit thick well no it's me whilst you're doing that June uh, we're going to go on to uh, another pro okay and uh, I love this one understand your value and that you are loved talk about that
1: So I think, as we talked about, human beings need to be loved. We need to feel safe, we need to feel secure. And many of us have had difficult human life experiences that make that harder for us to receive and to believe. So many of us don't feel loved, we don't feel valuable, we don't feel significant, we don't feel that we matter. Mm. So along comes a God that says, I will come to earth with the explicit intention that you might know that I love you. Mm. But I will model a love that transforms the most broken and the most vulnerable and therefore is telling you that however broken and vulnerable you feel you are, my love will transform you. Love that. And then this God will say, and I will demonstrate beyond all doubt that I love you because I will die a humiliating death at the hands of people mocking and mm. rejecting and I will do it that you might know mm-hmm. that I have died in your place and that death needn't be the end for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, the life and death, which are proved by his resurrection, but the life and death of Jesus are massive historical visual aids that God loves us. Mm-hmm. And so all the scriptures that talk about us being his children, that talk about his love, him loving us with an unfailing love, mm-hmm. that talk about us uh, being um, precious in his sight, mm-hmm. all of that stuff is proved by the cross. Mm-hmm. So I may feel that my colleagues don't love me, or I may feel that my family don't love me. But the God of the universe loves me. Mm. The God who created me loves me. Mm. And that I have immense and significant value. Whatever anybody else says or does, Mm. I am significant. I am worth Jesus dying for. Mm. And that's true for all of us. So that's a huge, huge plus.
0: Now we had a message in earlier. Excuse me. And uh, this is from uh, Joy Sal. And uh, she wanted uh, just to share something that we could feed into the the pros of being a Christian. She said, I was feeling a bit low earlier today and thinking about all the friends that I've lost in the last few years. It's what happens when you get older. I thought, I'm not sure I've got a best friend anymore. Then I remembered Jesus. Mm-hmm. He is my friend who will never leave me nor forsake me. Just glorious, Mm. that we are loved, Mm. that we are not alone, that, as you say, the king of the universe knows who we are, Mm. is able to put us back together, to restore and to redeem us, and to journey through life with us. Mm. And we know that we are his. Mm. It's incredible. Mm. It is such an amazing privilege to Mm. be loved and to Mm. be known and to find our value, not in what we do, Mm. but in who he's created us to be. It's Mm. just something incredibly wonderful. Mm. Mm. Now the phone has gone off again and uh, we're gonna see if it's June. I know, Kath Bogle, maybe put your glasses on. Bless you, my love. (laughs) I wonder. Well done, Kath. I wonder if June, and I'm gonna, uh, she may come back and say that I'm wrong. I wonder if she's saying that it's so good to be a Christian that actually heaven isn't that big a thing. So, do you need to have heaven when you're a Christian? Okay. I don't know. Okay. But I haven't got my glasses on. Yeah, well, let's
1: take that as that's that's a good question, even if it's not the question. (laughs) I think that. So far in my life, yep. life has been good enough that if there was no heaven, I would feel it's okay. Yeah. But I have walked alongside too many people for whom I would feel that wasn't fair. Mm. So I've had a, a privileged, mm. good life.
2: Mm.
1: Um, but I've had the privilege to be involved and alongside people who have experienced immense tragedy, disadvantaged and injustice. Mm. And for them, it's really important that there is a time when it puts everything right. And I guess for me in helping them, that's really important that I can't, I can't really understand God's love without saying there has to be a time when he puts this right. Mm so it's possible to say I've had such a good life I'd be happy at the end if this is all there is and that would certainly be my story Mm. but I know too many people for whom that wouldn't be adequate Mm. and yeah, does that make sense?
0: It does. June has got back in touch with us. Thank you June. Uh, And she's lovingly put neither of you are thick. Thank you. We are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She says when you are a Christian... Although heaven is the final place... Oh, I've lost it. Hold on.
1: Do you want your glasses?
0: I do need my glasses. Kathy's right. I can't read it properly. Uh, <laughs> when you are a Christian, although heaven is the final place, is this para- paramount? Is this what we should be looking to? Oh, Is okay. that what our focus yeah, yeah, should yeah, be on, Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, June.
1: Excellent question. I think there needs to be a balance. So Paul says in Philippians, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm, I'm worried about Christians who just kind of give up on this world mm. and just think, well, in heaven, everything will be fine. Mm. And they don't stand up for in, against injustice. They don't try to change the things in this world. They don't try to um, influence this world to make it better. And I think that's a fundamental rot problem we are told to work for the kingdom of heaven on earth Mm -hmm. we are to cooperate with Jesus bringing heaven down Mm. to give as much of it as as is possible in this world so I don't think it's really helpful to just say I don't I'm just living in heaven I don't need to engage with this world Mm. and equally I don't think it's very helpful to just think this world is all there is
2: Mm.
1: and and because for me, heaven motivates me to make some sacrifices now mm-hmm. because I think... Uh, so a crazy one for me is I, I love nature, I love beauty, I love walking. Um, but some time ago, I resolved that I, I wanted to see as much of the beauty of the UK as I could, partly because I find travelling stressful, find being in places of different languages stressful. Um, but I also thought, all the seven wonders of the world, all the incredible beauties of Grand Canyons and all of that, I'll see that in heaven.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I I will wait for that Mm -hmm. and I won't be disappointed. I don't have to cram everything in now. I don't have to... I can afford, if you like, to give of myself to other people rather than say, I mustn't miss everything now. Mm. So for me, there's a balance of... It's wrong to live entirely in heaven and, and be no difference, make no difference here. And I think it's unhelpful to just live entirely in this world and not allow the future world to uh, affect how we live.
0: Hmm. Great.
1: Have I answered that?
0: I think so. Yeah. June, come back to us if you, you need any clarification. We are sick. Uh, brilliant. Excellent. Okay, let's move on to the next one. self uh, Self-denial. Okay Matthew 6:19 to 21 Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be. So for some people, they say, you look at churches. They've always got a thermometer outside. They're always after your money. You've got to tithe. You've got to give. You've got to share your property. You look at acts and they didn't keep anything to themselves. Even they they worked hard. Why shouldn't I work hard? Why shouldn't I keep my money? Why shouldn't I spend it on me? Why do I have to be so generous? It's not me. I'm not generous. Um. Well, I, I love that
1: passage because so let's, let's say, what is treasure in heaven? To me, mm-hmm. treasure in heaven is the people that you take with you. Mm-hmm. It's the relationships. If we go back to the most important thing in life is, is to love and be loved. I need to spend my time in the one thing I can take with me. I cannot take my phone to heaven. I cannot take my house to heaven. I cannot take my car to heaven. But I can take the people I know. So I've got to invest in them. Mm-hmm. So store up treasure in heaven is storing up relationships of people you've impacted for Jesus.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Why does that count against storing up wealth? Because there comes a point where when we have so much more than other people, We become isolated, we're not happier, we're not content, we become fearful of not having enough, we become self that we clutch to ourselves. And poverty is clearly really damaging and painful for people. And so is being too rich. And there is a middle ground where we have enough to live comfortably, enough to say God has blessed me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and enough to be able to share and give to others and to make sure that in the main, the people we live around have a similar standard to us. And that's the point. that. If I am so much more wealthy than anybody else, I'm not happy. I'm isolated, lonely. One of the things I think about wealth is it's it's an illusion. We think that if I could only have the next thing, we will be happy. And it never stops. Mm. We just want the next thing, the next thing, bigger and better and smarter. Uh, we live in a part of Birmingham that, that straddles quite high wealth with quite uh, deprived areas. So within uh, walking distance of my house here in the town centre, I can walk to houses that a million pounds. I can walk to houses that are full of bedsits where folks are living in one room in very poor conditions mm-hmm. um, within a mile or two of each other. If we walk, and I say this often in this church, if we walk towards the wealthier end, we walk where some of the footballers live, we walk towards that part of town, we don't, suddenly, we don't begin to think, you know, as I take every step forward, people just seem happier as I move. <laughs> as I look down into the gardens, I see a sense of joy and smiling. You don't see any of that. There is no happier people in the wealthier parts of our town they're just as lonely, Mm. they're just as worried, Mm. they're just as annoyed because, I don't know, the pump in their swimming pool has broken down and not working or or the electric garage door won't open for them or the electric gate input that tells them who's at the door of the gate has gone wrong and they're seeing next door but threes. Whatever it is, something's always broken, Mm -hmm. something's always not good enough, something is always dissatisfying. And probably they're also worried that it's, they're going to lose it. Mm. And you might as well have much less, because you know we, it, it just doesn't bring happiness. Mm. Wealth does not bring happiness. And when you die, and I do a lot of funerals, and that, that's part of my job and you just, that, you, just you can't take it with you, mm. and you think, what was the point? Mm. What could I have taken was people? So, what might I have been better spending my money blessing other people mm. I don't think churches should have thermometers outside their building by yeah, we've the way. never done that have we've we n- I would
0: no. hate that no we won't ever do that uh, some good news uh, June has been in touch and uh, June said uh, excellent reply thank you so much bless you well done No mention of my glasses, Kath. So that was great. Okay, we are uh, whipping on through these. So we've just done self-denial. So we're on to a pro. Talk about how being a Christian brings purpose and meaning.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a biggie for me. I think it's a really significant thing for me. I think human beings are created to need meaning. We need to feel that what we have done today had significance. We need to feel that what we did today was of value. Mm -hmm. We need to feel, we're talking about funerals, we need to feel that what we did with our life was significant. Mm -hmm. And and much of what human beings naturally strive for is insignificant because it doesn't last eternally and because it doesn't change the world into a better place. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, it sounds like it's a really negative thing, but what he's saying is, I want you to follow me and love in a sacrificial way other people. And actually that is so purposeful and meaningful to be able to say at the end of the day, I have helped somebody else. I have expressed God's love, whether it's in my work or in my relationship somewhere, I have made somebody else's day better. Mm. is incredibly significant. Mm. And and beyond that, to be able to say, I have revealed the love of God to a person in the way I served them in the shop, in the way I taught this child, in the way I spoke to my neighbour, in the way I donated some money, in the way I prayed for somebody, I have revealed God's love. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And that is so precious to me, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: uh, to have meaning, to have purpose, to feel that God gave me breath to make a difference to some people's lives and to feel I've done that with today, I've done that with this week. Much of it we can't see. Much of it we take by faith that we are making a Mm. difference. And I know that lots of people would feel, well, I don't see that I'm doing anything that's significant and I don't see that I'm doing anything that's valuable. I would say, take it right down to basics. If you are being kind... If you're praying for someone, you're making a difference. Mm.
2: Mm. Absolutely.
1: And that's all. It, I mean, it's, it's so simple. It mm. just says, love your neighbour. That's mm. all we have to do.
0: Mm. Mm. Brilliant. Um, Barbara Phillips is uh, emailed in. And uh, she says, regarding heaven, I remember years ago there was a popular saying that some people are so heavenly minded, they are of no earthly use. Mm. Sadly, this can be true of some Christians today. And I think it's right, you get so preoccupied with yourself and spiritual things that you don't live with purpose, that you don't do what you're talking about. And sometimes you get a glimpse of being used by God. It's not often with me, to be fair, but in those moments there is a sense of just joy, joy that in some small, small way, God has used Mm, me to help or to bless somebody else. Uh, And I love that. There there is nothing better than that. You know, it's one of the privileges of working for the church as well. We get to do something that we love, that we pray, that God uses to to bless other people. What an absolute joy and privilege.
1: It is, and I'm reminded. I mean, sure lots of us have had that experience. When a little child... I don't know, in church, a little child comes and they um, they help hand out the sweets. Mm. And you say to that child, well, you've been so helpful. Mm. And they're thrilled yeah. because they've been of use and of value. And I feel that God is said, saying to us, you have been so helpful. I yeah. placed you in that place this week. I put you in those conversations. I mm. put you in that road, in that workplace, in mm. that family and i just asked you to be like me i just ask you to be loving and gentle and kind and faithful and self-controlled all the fr- and you did it and you and and we're like little children we can, and we go with a big grin and say you know god says i did well today
0: and sometimes it's just being present
1: mm.
0: it's not about doing the big the bold and the extravagant yep. it's about turning up yeah It's about being there and saying, God, I'm here. Just use me through our personality and our character, the things that we do and how we act. That often is the the biggest way that that we are used. It's not the grand gestures of me standing in front of all my friends saying, let me tell you about Jesus or here's a Bible passage. It's the little things.
1: I was telling you about some stuff I read recently about uh, that we know from babies that eye contact and a smile is really very, very important for the first uh, 18 months. That children that are in orphanages where nobody picks them up, looks them in the eye and smiles at them, that that's really damaging to a Mm -hmm. human being. And the point was being made that that still remains within us as human beings. That One of the most precious things you could do to a person is look them in the eye and Mm -hmm. smile. Mm -hmm. And that's something that all of us can do
0: bit harder with the old masks on at times, isn't it? It is,
1: but but again, the eyes are so important.
0: I usually now say good morning or hello to far more people than I would normally mm-hmm. in a shop or wherever, if I've got a mask on, just to hopefully convey even more yeah. that, you know, yeah. good to see you. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. It's very, very important. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's another pro. I'm going to move to um, a con of persecution it's a mm-hmm. fear of many people 2 Timothy 3 in fact everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted at the moment here's some st- statistics for you Three, 309 million Christians are living in countries where they might suffer very high or extreme persecution one in eight Christians live in countries where they may first face persecution it's a bit scary become a Christian face some persecution? Yeah. Is it
1: worth it? I mean, I think I might be slightly lunatic on this. <laughs> if you told me that every non-Christian never gets beaten up, mm-hmm. never gets bullied, never gets excluded, yeah. that there is no... Every other non-Christian in the entire world is completely safe, never a victim of genocide, never a victim of... Uh, institutional bullying and discrimination, then I would say, yes, being a Christian is disadvantage- and disadvantageous. The bottom line is that human beings mistreat human beings. Yeah. And that is, you know, we've seen in the news recently, another example of huge um, uh, abuse of, of a woman and murder of mm-hmm. woman. Human beings treat other human beings badly. Mm. And they will always give an excuse for it. Mm. It's the colour of their skin, mm. or it's that they they shouldn't have been out at this time of night, mm. or that it's a, that they are a Christian.
2: Yeah.
1: And it is true that societies in some parts of the world, and throughout history, and even in local small areas in our own country and office places, we, that will be the reason why people say they don't like us. Mm. I've not had that in any great experience, but I think I would rather be hated for being a Christian than for all the other stupid reasons why people might choose to hate me. So my bottom line is I think human beings fall out with human beings and you're no more likely to be persecuted for being a Christian than you are for being anything else, in my view. Now that may be completely heretical and I think it's really important that we stand up and and speak out against the injustice against Christians all over the world. But the idea that I am safer not being a Christian, Mm -hmm. I don't think think that's statistically true at all.
0: Mm One of the interesting things about persecuted Christians and, and churches around the world is that there are more people becoming Christians at a faster rate in those areas. Mm. That there is something about having to think about what do I believe? Am I prepared to stand up for this? Is it is it worth it? You know, mm. you, you weigh up the pros and the cons, and then when you realise actually this is worth it, I am going to make a stand for it. That there's something really. Um, Infectious about that in somebody else that you see, it, and other people. Well, what, what, what have they got? You know, mm. they're prepared to stand in the face of threats and persecution. There must be something in this, this mm. Christianity, mm. Um, mm. and it's incredible that in the places that they're trying to shut Christianity down the most, it it's just can't mm. be shut down. Yeah. It's just growing, yeah. and I don't think we've experienced true persecution like some churches. Around the world, some pastors are beaten and mm. killed for their mm. faith. And you're right; our, we are called to pray, to stand, to speak out. There are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, but I think all that you've said about persecution—absolutely. Uh,
1: uh, there are folks in our church who have experienced persecution in the workplace mm. because they were prepared to tell the truth. Yeah. Because they were prepared to speak out against bullying and injustice. Yeah. And they have lost their jobs. And there's folks I know in in our church who stood up and made that Mm. decision and it's been costly for them. Mm. However, I think that they would say that that was better than going along with something they felt was fundamentally wrong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to put my glasses on. Okay. Message from Kath. (laughs) Just for you, Kath, my glasses. Uh, What you have said tonight has been really significant. I've been worrying. I haven't been changing the world in my job, making uh, the big changes, but now I get it. I need to focus on the little steps, being kind, being caring. That is what matters.
1: Absolutely. Brilliant. Superb.
0: I'll take my glasses off now. Okay, I've got one more con, and then I'm going to leave you with a couple of pros at the end. Okay, so for some people the con of being a Christian is I've got to go to church and be with all those weird people and they do weird things and some of them I don't trust, some of them aren't very nice, I'm not interested. Can I just be a Christian on my own? What about the church? Not our church, our church is perfect. The church in general. (laughs) The church is not perfect.
1: Um, I think, again I think I've said this before, I think every institutional human gathering of people is problematic because we're humans and we're sinful. So this idea that whenever we think everybody else is to blame and we're perfect, it just creates all kinds of mess. The church will at times be deeply frustrating. At times it can hurt, it can damage. And I think that that if we have an expectation that that church will be perfect, we're going to get disillusioned and we're going to get hurt. If we have an expectation that church is full of broken and sinful, stupid people who are trying to learn how to get it right, we will be better at understanding what's going on. Mm. But in my experience, however bad churches are, it will be better than any comparable organisation. So, um, You know, whatever places you work in or whatever community groups you join, they're always full of politics and divisions and people who don't speak to each other and hurts and damages. And sometimes churches around the world completely reflect that and you think there's no evidence that God exists. But hopefully in other churches... Uh, there is the opportunity to feel that God is making a difference and that people are a bit more Christ-like than they used to be and that people are moving forward. So I think, yes, church can be disappointing. Yes, church can be disillusioning. But it's no more than human society and hopefully a bit better than human society.
0: Excellent. Okay, we're coming towards the end, so I'm going to leave you with, uh, I'm going to toss the ball up for you to smack out of the park, just a, a couple more pros for okay. you to, to go for. Uh, and so we've got guidance and wisdom, strength and peace.
1: Basically, that God is alongside us, helping us to deal with all the difficulties of life, that he gives an inexplicable peace at times. Mm. The Bible talks about it, a peace that passes all understanding, a sense of just that God is with me. And not everybody experiences that to the same degree, but many of us Mm. have, have known that at real moments of crisis or trauma or loss or grief, uh, something that sustained us, that God is there through his word and through uh, the inspiration of his spirit to guide and to say, don't do that, do this, yeah. which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I promise you, if you try to live by the commandments and you try to love, you will not be disappointed that life is better. Mm-hmm. So all of that is just fantastic. He doesn't leave us alone. And the comfort of God at moments of great, trauma and distress is, is very, very powerful and profound.
0: Any other pros you want to throw in there in this moment of opportunity?
1: Uh, I can't think. Uh, we've done them all. I, I, the, uh, yeah.
0: the,
1: I just think it's a no-brainer, be a Christian. Stop faffing around, just do it. That would be my...
0: <laughs> Simple.
1: <laughs> that would be my... Uh, it, it, it's a no-brainer. Because all that so this if we go back to this taking the self-denial, the opposite, which is giving in to our natural urges, just destroys us the gate the the wide road to destruction is simply that if you unthinkingly do whatever you think you want, it's not really what you want, mm. and it destroys you. Mm. But if you stop and think, hang on, I don't really want to be selfish. I don't really want to hoard everything to myself. I don't really want to hold on to bitterness. I don't really want to have sex with whoever I want, whenever I want. That's not really, really deep down what I want. Mm-hmm. And you look for the, the smaller gate that says, actually, to learn how to resist these temptations mm-hmm. will make me a happier person. It's glorious.
0: Mm. Uh, Wren Collective have got a song called The Cost. Uh, I'd encourage folks to listen to it. I really like this song. Here's some of the lyrics. It says, I'm saying yes to you and no to my desires. I'll leave myself behind and follow you. I'll walk the narrow road because it leads me to you. I'll fall, but grace will pick me up again. I've counted up the cost. Oh, I've counted up the cost. I've counted up the cost and you are worth it i do not need safety as much as i need you you're dangerous but lord you're beautiful i'll chase you through the pain i'll carry my cross cuz real love is not afraid to bleed jesus take my all take my everything i've counted up the cost and you're worth everything we always kind of finish with uh, with this but if there's somebody out there listening to this or watching this that is uh, thinking actually yeah Do you know what? I want to say yes to Jesus. Just talk them through how very simply they do that.
1: I think you simply say, Jesus, I'm sorry that my life hasn't been perfect. Will you come in and transform me so I might follow you? It's as simple as that. And that's, if you like, getting on the train. And then allow yourself months, even years, to gently work out what that looks like to be a disciple. And you do that by being in a community of Christians who enable you to see what a Christian looks like and who enable you to explain what a a disciple does. So you make that decision, Lord, I'm sorry, I choose you to come into my life. And then you start this journey of finding out what a disciple looks like by being in a community. You can't really grow as a Christian on your own. You need... Church, You need people who show you what it's like.
0: So if someone's uh, recently or right now thinking about making that decision, we'd encourage them to get in touch with us, that we'd love to help you with uh, getting part of our community and growing and being discipled and learning more about Jesus. Mm. So email us, qol at scbc.org.uk. Yep. Go to our website. Lots yep. of different resources there. We'd love for you to just journey with us and explore more and find out more. Mm. Brilliant.